Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Tampa Bay Buccaneers from the 48-yard line. Second down, 13. Brady lobs one downfield. Caught ball by Gronkowski. Inside the 20 to the 15-10. Gronkowski to the 5 to the 4-yard line. Holy Gronkapoli. <laughs> Third down, 18. Dropping Gannon, looking Gannon, looking Gannon. Those up the middle. It's intercepted at the Derek 30. Brooks. Derek Brooks, 30. Brooks to the 25, He's 20. Gone. Derek Brooks all the way. There it is. The dagger's in. Yeah. We're going to win the Super Bowl. Super Bowl, baby. This is the big nasty. Yeah, big nasty Hall of Fame Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan, baby. This is Mike Allstott, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and you're listening to the Cannon Fire Podcast. Cannon Fire Podcast, brother. You ain't listening, and you're missing out. Woo! Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new edition of the Cannon Fire Podcast, live on YouTube today for episode 228. It is the weekly mailbag edition of the podcast. We are joined by our very special friend and uh, honorary third member of the show, James Hill, a.k.a. Mr. Bucks Nation, yet again. We're going to be answering your Buccaneers questions and responding to some of the takes you guys have sent in regarding the team. And if you want to get on top of things every single week, we are always accepting takes, questions, and more. Podcast at gmail.com. You can also always hit us up on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those are Cannon Fire Podcast. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, as always, Rhett Matthew. Joined alongside me, my good buddy and co-host, the Philly Bucks fan himself, Mr. Evan Wanish. And as I alluded to before, that guy at the bottom of your screen there, Mr. Bucks Nation, a.k.a. James Hill, joining us on the show today. How are we doing, boys? How are we feeling on this uh, Wednesday? fantastic thanks for having me on as always guys greatly appreciate it uh yeah ready to talk about some buck stuff man there's there's a lot of stuff coming out of week 12 versus the colts going into week 13 versus the falcons so uh yeah thankfully we'll have a uh, a good amount to cover today oh yeah we got some injury updates for you guys the latest on antonio brown guys like aaron stinney getting placed on ir we'll talk about all of that and more and then of course your submitted emails and questions and takes and such. We do have a pretty good one to start things off though, but Evan wanted to hear from you real quick. Yeah, it's actually been a pretty busy day uh, as far as <laughs> yeah. injuries goes and and injury updates. So yeah, we got uh, more to talk about than when we woke up this morning and thought that we were going to be able to talk about. Well, even this time last week, you know, we were thinking about doing the mailbag show on Wednesday. It's the day before Thanksgiving, and we're like, let's face it, you know, people can send in questions and stuff, but we just really didn't have a ton to talk about this time a week ago. And it's it's funny because there are certain weeks, even during the middle of the NFL season, where it feels like you don't have as much to talk about. But lucky for us, like you said, man, there was plenty to cover here today. Hey, quick ad break, but uh, let me tell you about our guys over at betonline.ag, one of our main sponsors of the podcast for over a year at this point. From basketball, football, baseball, postseason, NHL, boxing, UFC, right down to your favorite Vegas casino games, do not wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website they have to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. 
Just use our promo code BELIEVE50. That's B L E A V 50 to receive your bonus. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and a proud sponsor of the Cannon Fire Podcast. Let's go ahead and kick things off with our first topic here. And this is one that honestly me and James kind of tossed around and ended up being the title of today's episode. But put simply, can Leonard Fournette be a thousand yard rusher for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in 2021? We look at what he's produced so far this season. 621 rushing yards, 354 receiving yards. So he's a little over 20 yards away from 1,000 yards from scrimmage, which is obviously a great season for any Bucks running back. Uh, Ronald Jones last year was, what, 22, 25 yards short of being a 1,000-yard rusher, but his level of production was a little bit different than Leonard Fournette. But we look at the games that are left, six games left, This is a guy who's already got a couple of hundred yard games under his belt this season. It seems like if he gets one or two more, this could definitely be possible. But I think, you know, we have to give Tampa Bay Lenny his credit here. Um, In my opinion, I I might get some flack for this because I am a huge Ronald Jones supporter. Lenny has won me over this season, but I think Leonard Fournette has honestly had the best season by a running back in Tampa Bay in quite some time. Like, I know Ronald Jones was pretty close to 1,000 yards on the ground last year, which was great, um, but he wasn't a factor in the pass game, right? As much as we hate to say it, as much as it pisses me off sometimes when they throw Leonard Fournette the ball, he's proven that 354 receiving yards over the first 10 games definitely makes him a little bit useful in that aspect. So as far as playoff Lenny goes, regular season Lenny, Fournette, Lenny, whatever you want to call him this week, uh, this, the question is simple, Evan, I want to get your take first. Can he be a thousand yard rusher with six games left on the schedule? Well, you know, yeah, it's actually been, it's been, yeah, 11 games already. Um, you know, and it's, I, a lot of you are wondering real quick, I would just want to get into this because it's been on, it was on my mind when you mentioned that, uh, before I get into the question, a lot of people were asking why Giovanni Bernard wasn't out there like barely at all against the Colts. And a lot of it's because of that reason you said it's Leonard Fournette has basically taken over. Um, and yeah, Gio Bernard's a nice player. He's good depth, but like we kept saying, oh, they need a third down back because they need a guy who can catch the ball. Leonard Fournette's been that guy. Like he, he has been. And um, until he's not, there's not going to be many spots where he's coming off the field on third down. So um, it's nice to have depth, obviously. And Gio Bernard is, is providing that right now. As far as a thousand yards rushing, I think it's doable just because you have that extra game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ronald Jones did not have that extra game. That's that sucks for him, honestly. It, because Rojo, if he did, tail end of the season too, he he missed a couple of games due to you know yeah. the thumb, and then the COVID popped up. Yep. So it wasn't the best of scenario for him. Yeah, and if he had an extra game, he would have hit a thousand yards. Oh yeah. Um, so so it's it sucks for him, but uh, it, it does give Fournette a very good opportunity to get over a thousand. Um, obviously the, the Bucks, as we'll talk about in a little bit for some, uh, circumstances, the Bucks hopes of having 3000 yard wide receivers, those hopes are dashed. Uh, but, um, you know, it still is possible that they have 2000 yard receivers and a thousand yard rusher. I think that's definitely possible and it would be impressive. Oh yeah. James, your thoughts. Yeah. I just did the math, you know, there's six games left. Let's say he needs 400 yards. It's kind of rounded down or, you know, whatever we need to do. He need about 67 rushing yards a game, which I'd say is 
pretty doable given how much they've been using Leonard Fournette the past, what, two month and a half, let's say, Mm -hmm. you know, um, that they've been giving him the ball a lot, you know, obviously as a receiver, which, you know, you both talked about, but um, they're finally starting to run the ball a little bit more, which I I feel like has been working. Um, Like both of you guys, I'm a big Ronald Jones guy, but you know, the circumstances are what they are right now. They want to use Leonard Fournette a lot. Um, I don't see that changing anytime soon. So, yeah, I, th- I think it's a definite possibility here. Um, in regards to Fournette having, you know, the best season, you know, in a little bit, um, what would you guys say? Probably since the last, that last year, Doug Martin really popped off was the, the last really good year for running back, right? Yeah, because yeah, I, guess. I mean, the I mean Bucks, they were Martin purgatory. was never Martin was never even this consistent in the passing game though. I mean, mm-hmm. Doug, but it, definitely not in the passing game. You know the the characteristics. Yeah, but that's that, what you're talking about. Because it, if you're yeah. not, then you can say Ronald Jones's was good last right. year. Right. I mean, the characteristic that Doug Martin had was he would go off on contract years. Right. That rookie season, he was amazing, <laughs> and then once he got that contract, man, that year he was awesome as well. Uh, but after that, he definitely disappeared. But yeah, just like you said, Evan, he wasn't a factor in the passing game. And then when you look at the guys in between, you know, a Doug Martin to a Ronald Jones, per se, who are the names in there? Bobby Rainey, Charles Sims. Like, you remember when Charles Sims was Peyton our pass catching back? Peyton Barber wasn't a pass catching back. That guy barely got, I don't know, what, 700 yards in a season. Well, Charles Sims, actually, Charles Sims was supposed to be a pass catching back. He was supposed to be. He wasn't that good at it. Peyton Barber was never supposed to be a pass catching back in defense of him. Right. It's just, yeah. I I mean, who else was in there? Seriously, Charles Sims, Bobby Rainey. I mean, you got to think. Doug Rogers. Jaquiz Rogers. Uh, Yeah. Oh, yeah. He was a pass catching back. All right. Huh? Yeah. Um, They they had yeah they've had an interesting list of running backs. Um, and obviously they tried out Lashawn McCoy. If this was 2015, it would have worked. Um, oh well, I, I well still, Shady, let's let's not knock Shady. He was there two seasons in a row for two good teams to be that moral support role, and he got two. Yeah, rings but and it, also so. I also still think like I don't know my 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 take on that is that he was actually better than people think and like oh yeah I if think you he had some if you would have had to play him down the stretch it would have been okay like well there was, it wouldn't have been there it wouldn't was, have been ideal but it wouldn't have been awful either. i don't remember what game it was but there was one game i i want to say it was against atlanta but he had like two carries for 30 yards and i think that was uh, it, against minnesota he played well i i think um, that was pretty much the only production we saw from him the entire season right was, uh, early on you saw a little bit yeah Maybe I'm just remembering wrong, but um, yeah, man. I mean, as far as the Bucks go and a running back being effective in the passing game, while it isn't perfect, as we have talked about plenty of times with you look at week one, the Tom Brady interception, a couple of the turnovers that have resulted due to the hands or lack thereof of these running backs catching passes out of the backfield, uh, even though it hasn't been perfect, the fact that Lenny is able to get it done is pretty admirable. And it's a nice change of scenery for this Buccaneers offense. And the fact that he's, you know, taking the three down back position and, and kind of running with it, pun intended, is so, uh, I guess it's a good sign considering you're going to have to figure out which one of those three running backs you're going to want to sign after this season is over. So I think Lenny has definitely earned his contract if, if that's also the uh, the nature of the conversation. Yeah, Danny in the chat said they never gave Shady any opportunities, just like Geo. So here's the difference. And yeah. then I just what I explained last year, Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones couldn't catch a cold yet they still didn't really give McCoy many opportunities. This year, 
the reason Giovanni Bernard isn't getting as many opportunities is because Leonard Forda has been good at doing his role. So why, like, it's not like you're paying Giovanni Bernard $10 million. Like, you know, like, I understand, like, people want to see him. Like, he's he's really, like, as far as veteran goes, he's the only acquisition they made that was from the outside, right? right. So, so people want to see him. But if Leonard Fournette keeps doing his job and does it well, why are they going to take him out? So it's it's a little bit of, of a different scenario. It's not Geo not getting the opportunities. It's just the opportunity is not being available because the other guys are stepping up in front of him. Right. Yeah. James, your final thoughts before we move on to the next one. Yeah. Um, just, you know, heck, what what a wild ride it's been for Leonard Fournette. You know, me and Evan talked about this at the beginning of the year. It was getting really frustrating where uh, it just seemed like the Buccaneers coaching staff wasn't giving guys defined roles. They were rotating guys in a lot. It wasn't making a lot of sense. You know, you remember that. Evan. we talked about that, I believe, after week one or week two, something along those lines. But now... You know, it, it seems like they're finally going with the guy they wanted to go with the entire time. You know, they just really didn't have enough good reasons to justify it, but now they do, uh, which is fine. You know, it's, it's Leonard Fournette's playing well, um, and I, you know, hey, there's a realistic chance that he could get a thousand yards, and if that is the case, hey, you know, he'll be the first guy to have done it in the past. You know, in, in what a few years, right? Six years, something along those lines. I want to say maybe more. Doug Martin was the last twenty like third. Do it on the ground for the Bucks. As yeah, far as did. a thousand yards. Yeah, he did it back in 2015, so it would have been yeah. six years. So that'd be cool. Yeah, it, it definitely would. I think for a guy like Leonard Fournette, it's hard to be upset. Uh, not only when you look at the position that he's been in during his time in Tampa Bay. I mean, how close he was to getting cut towards the tail end of the 2020 season, and then of course the way he stepped up in the playoffs and was able to earn the moniker "Playoff Lenny." And then the hot start he had this season. Like, let's not forget that, you know, this Leonard Fournette production isn't necessarily anything new. It's just, you know, he had a really hot start this year, and we've seen it kind of carry. His production is definitely starting to pay off. But, you know, after a four-touchdown performance against the Colts, it's almost hard not to talk about a guy like that. But let's give Lenny his roses because I think this probably isn't a very bold take. I know you've said this before on the show, Evan, but – I don't think Rojo's back next year. I'll be very surprised if Gio Bernard is back. So I I think Leonard Fournette, uh, given what he's shown us throughout the season so far, has definitely earned the right to be the one running back on the roster after this season is said and done. Aside from, uh, you know, your guy, Keyshawn Vaughn, Evan. I know that's your boy, too. You're worried about him getting his reps come playoffs time. But uh, I think Leonard Fournette has really proven that he deserves to be here. Yeah, I mean, so – I, I don't know if I would say I seriously doubt Gio Bernard would be here just because they need other running backs. Like you can't just have Leonard Fournette and Keyshawn Vaughn. Yeah. Like, you know, you have three running backs that are free agents. You might bring one back. You might let all three walk. Like you're, you're going to, the running back room is going to look different regardless of who they bring back um, or who they let go. Like it's going to look different, uh, whether that's a free agent, whether that's a, a draft pick. I, you know, we'll see. I think a lot of their their decisions will be based on how they feel about Keyshawn Vaughn. Uh, and I think that'll base a lot of their decisions on what they do with their free with their current free agents. Right. The three running backs, plus the running backs that will be available to sign a free agency yeah. and the running backs in the draft. I think what they you're going to get a big indicator of what they actually think of Keyshawn Vaughn uh, this offseason, because you go out, you re, let's say you re-sign Leonard Fournette and, and you don't bring back Gio Bernard and you don't bring back Ronald Jones, but you sign another running back to basically do a one, two punch. 
almost like the Saints do with Alvin Kamara and Mark and Mark Ingram. You sign a running back like that. That's telling you that there's not a lot of faith in Keyshawn Vaughn. You know what would tell you there's even less faith in Keyshawn Vaughn is drafting one in the second or third round, which I think is still a real possibility, especially if, let's say, it's another one-year deal for Fournette. Let's say the Bucks don't really want to give him a long-term deal. Uh, they can't agree on something. They agree on, like, a one-year deal, and then they still draft a running back in the first three rounds. To me, that signals that Vaughn is just not going to be the guy. Oh, yeah. Well, Vaughn definitely won't be the guy because this was – He hasn't going... earned it at all. Well, I mean, he, he hasn't <laughs> – yeah, he has not earned it. A lot of people are going to tell you what they'll say about Gio Bernard, for example. The exposure Whatever. hasn't been there. The opportunities uh, haven't been there. Gio Bernard has shown you, he's a productive NFL player. So. The difference in your take between Gio Bernard and Keyshawn Vaughn is, I mean, what you just alluded to right there is is you have already said Keyshawn Vaughn is just dog water at this point, right? The guy's got no shot. He's washed. He's done. Huh? He's, he's washed. Cooked. He's done. He's cooked. <laughs> cooked. Um, but if, if, I, I if the Bucks, let's say the Bucks sign Lenny, let's say they sign one yeah. more running back, and then you know, it, even if they sign an extra running back after re-signing Lenny, it still to me doesn't entirely rule out the possibility that they could be looking for a guy yeah. in the draft, which I think just furthers the point you made just then. Yeah, because I mean, you got to think if you're signing a running back, and real quick, James, I'll let you speak. It's not just. Not just a normal show. You you're you're here with us. Uh but um No, this is James' favorite part about doing other people's shows is that he yeah, just pretty doesn't much. have to talk. Yeah, he's he actually, folks, this is why he tells us he doesn't actually do a podcast because he just can't <laughs> talk for long periods of time like that. Um so you know, let's say, you know, if you sign a running back in free agency, and we're going off the, the rails here a little bit, but we'll get back on track after this. Um if you're going on, you know, if you're going to go out and sign a free agent running back, it's likely going to be a one-year deal or at most a two-year deal. Mm-hmm. So let's say you do that, or if it's Gio Bernard, it's probably a one-year deal for Gio Bernard. Um, even if it's Ronald Jones, I mean, even if Ronald Jones somehow has some interest in coming back, which I don't know why you would, and the Bucks have interest in keeping him it's probably not going to be a long-term deal. So you got to be thinking you could be in a very similar situation the next year, which in that case, they could possibly draft a running back. You're right. There's, there's a lot of names. One of my favorites early on favorites. Uh, See, you're already getting the draft talk here. If you guys love the draft, you're going to get one of my favorites in this class uh, on the mailbag show here. So uh, Kyron Williams from Notre Dame. uh, It's one of my favorites in the class. Just an all around good player could be available in the second round. Uh, I don't think he's going to sneak into the first. Uh, no pun intended there. Ha-ha. Um, but uh, I don't think he's going to end up in the first round, so he should be available in the second round for him. He won't be available in the third, but he should be there in the second. Uh, I mean, he's just solid at everything he does. He's able to pass, uh, protect. He's able to catch the ball. He's he's comfortable with it. He's done a lot in Notre Dame. and I just think he'd be a nice guy to sort of take a shot on and see what you got. Yeah, really quick in the live chat before I get your thoughts, James, uh, our moderator holding it down. The man himself, Willie Beeman, says, I totally agree with Evan here. Oregon running back C.J. Verdell would be a nice compliment to Lenny. That guy is lightning in a bottle. Do you have any thoughts on him? Yeah, he's a solid player. Uh, I haven't done a full deep dive into him yet, but, uh, you know, yeah, I think you could be looking at, especially, I mean, if you sign a, you know, I, I always think that you should have – the days of the bell cow running back are almost over. I think like there's very few, right? I mean, there's, there's very rare exceptions, which is a guy like Derrick Henry. But when you look at history of bell cow yeah. backs, none of those guys are six foot plus 200 and something pounds dragging no, defenders just, behind them. 
like it's just it's you know it, it's different nowadays it's just it's a different league you're using more than one running back on game days and i think yeah they got to find a guy to even if, if they give Leonard Fournette a one-year deal if they give him a four-year deal you got to find a guy who's going to be uh comp- be able to compliment him well that's you know you can't have a guy with stones for hands because what if Leonard Fournette doesn't have a great year pass catching right yeah. you need to have that backup plan so i think a guy like verdell would be smart uh like i said kyron williams and and i mean there, there's a few other running backs there's a, a solid running back class it's not as deep as it's been in years past but it's still a solid class with some intriguing players yeah james your thoughts really quick on just the state of the buccaneers at running back as we look towards the future and then we'll get into some news yeah i think it's probably safe to assume that out of all those guys they'd want to bring you know, Fournette back the most, you know, Ronald Jones, like you guys said, he would be really has no reason to stay at this point. You know, I'm sure that there's other teams that he could go and get opportunities with to be a starter, you know, maybe like the Houston Texans, um, you know, and maybe some of the other teams that are out there, like maybe the 49ers, if they, if they have an opening and just uh, some of those other teams in the league, um, in the case of Gio, Ber- uh, Gio Bernard, you know, maybe they bring him back just like what Evan said is to have that insurance, to have that guy who can catch the football, just in case Leonard Fournette can't do it one year. You know, you have that guy, uh, you know, Gio Bernard, I believe he's only 29. So he could still have a couple more years in him. Um, so I, I would say that, you know, it's it's not a foregone conclusion that a guy like Ronald Jones is gone, but it's definitely more likelier than not that he would go look for opportunities elsewhere. Um, and I imagine the Bucks would want to bring back Leonard Fournette. I mean, the coaching staff loves him. Um they, they obviously put a lot of trust in him to be like an entire three down back for him. Um, but at the end of the day, we'll just have to wait and see what happens there. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's exciting times for Lenny. Oh yeah. Which is good. I can't remember the last time there was this much buzz around the Buccaneers running back room. And the fact that we have so many storylines to come off of this week of all weeks is, uh, you know, pretty good. Always makes for good podcast content, which is, Exactly why we're sitting here doing it. But let's go ahead and move on to the latest Tampa Bay Buccaneer news. We have got some injury updates out of one Buck place. Uh, The first one is regarding wide receiver Antonio Brown, a guy who has been week to week for, God, like six weeks now, five, six weeks. It feels like he's been gone for over half the season, which he kind of has, right? Well, I mean, yeah, it's he's going to end up playing the the same amount of games that he did last year, pretty much. Right. He's he's been out since week six against the Eagles, which I don't know how I don't know how he he finished week six. That because he injured. He injured it around the third quarter and still finished the game. So, yeah, but uh, Antonio Brown suffered an ankle injury in that game against the Eagles. And apparently over the weeks, it is spread to his uh, to his heel. A report came out today from Adam Schefter that said he's basically set to miss the next two games. Um, Of course, the Buccaneers have this week the Falcons going for the sweep in Atlanta. And then after that, they are back at home against Buffalo. So as of his situation right now, you know, obviously the Bucs want him healthy for the playoffs, first and foremost. Like you can look at the tough games left on the schedule, but the Bucs can win every single one of those games without Antonio Brown, in my opinion. I think if this offense gets going, we've seen that they can put up plenty of points on people. Um, so you want him healthy for the playoffs. But you look at the situation that he's in, how much time he's missing, how it is escalating to a worse injury than initially thought. Um, you know, how much of this is the Bucs like being cautious, too? Because there is that belief or at least that that underlying feeling that, yeah, he's missing a lot of time but the Bucs are also trying to be as careful as they possibly can. Is is that just 
you know, kind of the conundrum we found ourselves in here, Evan, as uh, we look at Antonio Brown's situation. Yeah, I, I think they have to balance it. They have to yeah. do um, they have to do a good job of balancing it of when you want him back versus when he's ready to come back versus when you need him back. I mean, I think there's differences for all three. They obviously want him back this week, right? Can't come back this week, but do they need him back this week? Do, are, do they really need Antonio Brown to be able to beat the Atlanta Falcons? No, like like they don't. That being said, it'd be nice. I mean, it, it would be nice. Uh, Antonio Brown killed the Atlanta Falcons last year um, in both games. Wasn't as productive in uh, in this year's game in Tampa week two. Um, but, you know, it would be nice, but they don't need him to, to beat the Falcons. I mean, I saw a few people say, oh, he's going to miss the Bills game. You know, like they might need him there. Maybe. I mean, the Bills are a good team. But like, Bills are a good do you team, need like, is... I mean, I would understand if Antonio Brown was your number two wide receiver. But when you have Mike Evans and Chris Godwin there and Gronkowski's back, like, do you need Antonio Brown there? Like, do you do... want Antonio Brown? Do you need him, though? We do have a good question about Mike Evans and Chris Godwin in this offense coming up in the mailbag later mm-hmm. on. But, uh, James, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, like Evan was saying, like, I would even take it a step further. Like, need is a strong word, right? Need is a very strong word. And, you know, Evan said if he was the number two wide receiver, if he was the number one wide receiver, you know, you would need him, you know. But he's their third guy. And I think getting Scotty Miller back also helps out a lot, you know, I think more than what people are are realizing. Um, So that's an important thing to consider. Now, does, does it suck? That he's out. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm sure Tom Brady would love to have him out there. He's, a, he's you know, a favorite target of Tom Brady's. Um, but Tom Brady also very much likes throwing to Chris Godwin and uh, Mike Evans as well. Um, you know, it's literally like before Antonio Brown came along, people were still saying Mike Evans and Chris Godwin were the best wide receiver duo in the NFL. So, I mean, you know, you still have that <laughs> to consider. Um but yeah, it, it does suck. I imagine I completely understand where people's frustrations are coming from with this situation too, because man, this is like the fourth or fifth week in a row where it's like, oh, there's a little bit of hope. All right, he Maybe should come be, back. He should be back the game after next. Yeah, and then it just it never it's never materialized. And you know, I've talked about this earlier on in the year. All three of us have actually, I think, here on the on the channel um, where we've talked about the idea of like. You know what, what's going on with the Bucks in terms of them judging players' injuries and things along these lines? And like, I don't know. This is just another kind of weird situation for me. You know, Bruce Arians came out today and said, "Oh, you know, the injury's different than what we thought it was," and it's just kind of like, uh, "What? You know, how did well, you I not mean, have they, this?" They can't predict the future. I mean, I understand that. You know, and Jenna Lane asked a question where it was like, you know, in hindsight, would you have put him on the IR? And Bruce Arians said you know yeah we 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 probably would have yeah um, I, I mean when you look at a guy missing three games minimum when you're on a roll like the bucks were after they beat philly you know it's pretty critical at that point because you you want to keep winning games right you want your offense to to keep playing at the level it is and some of these guys might be playing through some pain but when you take a step back and you look at the big picture now that the bucks are eight and three without them like, yeah, hindsight's going to tell you that Bruce is like, yeah, we should have just put him on IR. But it's one of those things where, like, I think trainers can only do so much based off of also, like, what players tell them, right? So if Antonio Brown says, hey, I'm feeling good enough, I might be feeling good enough to play next week. Well, they're going to go off of that assumption 
until he shows up to practice and they can clearly see he's not ready to go that week. Or, as we might have alluded to at the start of this topic, it's just the Bucks being a little extra cautious because even though Antonio Brown had ridiculous production out of the gate this year and he's proving to be a favorite target for Tom Brady, a safety outlet, this offense can still run without him. And you want your offense to be running its best in the postseason. So in my opinion, as I kind of take a look at this, and then I'll toss it back to you, James, I think, you know, in the grand scheme of things, it's just a little bit of everything. It's a little bit of the Bucks being cautious. It's a little bit of like, you know, initially, yeah, they probably didn't think it was that bad. And then it spreads and then the injury changes. And, you know, that's all week to week stuff that they don't have control over. But I think as far as Antonio Brown goes, I'm almost 100% ready for him to be back in the playoffs. I think I think everybody is. I think he'll probably get some action in before the postseason. Um, but yeah, I just, I, I, I don't know. Like, some people think he's, you know, going to end up in jail and that there's serious things happening aside from just an ankle injury, which is why he hasn't been playing. But I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think anyone on the show thinks it is. Uh, so we won't speak on it very much. But, you know, as far as AB goes, uh, I hate to say it this way because I, I don't want to sound super harsh, but it's almost like the Bucks don't need him until they do, I guess, is a, is a way to put it. I don't know. Maybe... Maybe you can make some sense of what I'm trying to say. I don't think it's a harsh way of putting it because we've talked. Heck, Evan said this, you know, I believe when the signing was made where it's, hey, this is a luxury, you know, and it is at the end of the day. You know, again, needs a strong word. At the end of the day, do the Bucs need, they 100% need Antonio Brown out there. Not necessarily do you want him out there. Of course, everybody wants Antonio Brown out there, but do you need him out there? He's not your number one. He's not your number two. He's your number three guy, you know, so it's not as big of a need, you know, but I do understand how people are frustrated and they want him out there. I, I'm, I totally, you know, you know, agree with those frustrations. Um, well, let me ask you both this, you know, with Schefter reporting that Brown's going to be out this week, he's going to be out the next week. At this point, do you just maybe put him on the IR, have him rest up so you can get that open roster spot and promote a guy? like a Brashad Perriman or a, you know, another bring in another wide receiver just so you can have another body available. No, I, I, I don't. Um, just because it is, I, I think he's going to be, he might be back. Um, you know, I, I think he'll, he'll be back soon. I just, I don't think, I, I just, I just don't think they, they really want to do that. Um, it's not just as simple. I mean, you can only put a guy on IR for so long and then you can only put him on there for so many times. And, um, that goes into their original decision to not place him on IR originally. Obviously, they they have regrets about not doing that, but at the time, you know, they're thinking, okay, maybe this is a, uh, you know, maybe this is a a situation where he's only going to miss two games. Um, but you know, and obviously, IR wouldn't end the season because it could be you know three games minimum, right? So that doesn't mean the season. IR doesn't mean what it used to, um, but. You know, I, I just, I, at this point, no, if you would have said around the bye week or so, maybe, I mean, then he'd be almost ready to come off of it now. And um, I just don't see what difference that makes. It, nobody seems to be picking up Rashad Perryman. Nobody seems to be calling his line. They have Scotty Miller back. So even if they lose Perryman, they still have the deep threat there. I, I, yeah. I just, I don't see much, much uh, point in doing it. it. It is nice to have the roster spot. And I'm sure they would have done it eventually, but at this point in the year, I mean, I know we, we keep saying it and we talked about it earlier, but Brown is closer to a return than he is not, right? Like, he, he is. 
Um, I do believe that, like Rhett said, I believe he will be back in the regular season before the playoffs. I don't think they're going to just throw him out there for his first action in three months in a playoff game. I think he'll be back maybe in a week 16, maybe or so. That's in you know, another three weeks or so. Uh, I, I still, you know, I, he's going to be back sooner rather than later. I know it's obviously frustrating because you thought, okay, he might miss. You were looking and, and they, you know, missed the Bears game, missed the Saints game. But then they had the bye week and he should come back versus Washington, right? And he just, he hasn't been back. Looked like he was progressing. Wasn't ever really expected to play versus the Giants, but it really looked like maybe versus the Colts. But if not versus the Colts, it was definitely Def, versus the Falcons. Yeah. yeah. Um, and now it's, it's not either one of those. And now it's most likely for week 14 as well. So I get the frustration, um, but I do think he he's close. He, he is close. They, it's just, you know, all about, you know, like, like, like we talked about them being cautious versus, you know, I mean, they, I think talk about a need they need to get him reps before the playoffs. I just yeah. don't think that's fair to him to throw him into the playoffs are a different animal. I mean, they are a different intensity. It's just, it's a totally different thing. And I just don't really think that's very fair to him to put him right in a playoff spot. So um, I do think they're going to play him eventually in the regular season. Again, you will see him. It just won't be within the next two weeks. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, the biggest thing about all of that is the fact that they've been winning games without him. Uh, getting him reps in the regular season is definitely going to happen um, because he's not going to see his first action in a playoff game after three. Well, I mean, now what? Like now, now their record without him is what? 500 now, right? It's three and right. three. Yeah. Their record's three and three without him this season. So, yeah. It's a shame because as we talked about at the beginning of the season, all the hype behind 3,000 yard receivers, it really seemed like this could be the season. Antonio Brown looking like the Antonio Brown of all that connection between him and Tom Brady was on fire. And uh, of course, this offense is harder to defend when he is out there on the field. So getting him back for the playoffs is going to be the most important thing on the Buccaneers schedule. But of course, finding the time to get him some reps in the regular season to get him back into shape is going to be important too. But that all factors into how your offense is playing come the playoffs. I think you want your offense to be playing the best they can in those weeks coming up to the postseason. And uh, if you get Antonio Brown back three weeks before the end of the season, I'm okay with that, especially if he's out there getting reps and he's being productive like he was before. But, you know, just another interesting situation to monitor as we take a look at the Antonio Brown injury. Further injury updates for Tampa Bay. Big offensive lineman Aaron Stinney, who was able to step up a little bit in this week's game against the Colts. He was placed on IR with a knee injury, but the good news there is that the left guard he was replacing should be back. Uh, Ali Marpet is back practicing this week, so that's always a really good sign for a guy who had kind of a, a vague, oblique injury, I think is is basically what, what it was described as. But uh, it's good to see Ali back out there and getting some reps. So with a guy like Aaron Stinney ending up on IR, uh, they're probably going to promote somebody else, it seems like. Um. Yeah, maybe. I mean, they have obviously Nick just Leverett for, there. Just they, for depth's sake. Yeah, they have Nick Leverett there. They like him, obviously. He got the game ball. Played okay. Like, he played fine. Pass protection <laughs> was rough, but, I mean, run run blocking-wise, he wasn't he bad. Was, I believe he was the lowest-graded player for Tampa Bay yeah, on that's PFF not really this fair. week. It's not that's... fair. He's a third-string left guard filling in for, you know, a former All-Pro going up against DeForest Buckner. Yeah, well, people on, Twitter, people on Twitter want to say he's terrible. So, <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I guess I'd love to see those people on Twitter. I'd love to see them line up against DeForest Buckner. All right, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, thought, I, thought Nick, I thought Nick Leverett overall did a pretty good job. 
Well, you think every player on the Bucks does a great job, um, but you know um, they got like like we talked about, right? They got a they got a fifty three man roster of all stars, man. Yeah, yeah, nothing but all pros. <laughs> I mean, all fifty three of them going to the Pro Bowl this year. Um, the Pro Bowl roster is just Bucks. Um, it's just the Bucks roster. <laughs> yeah, the NFC um, team is nothing but Tampa. Yeah, so um, yeah, I, th- like I said, I thought he played fine. Like he, he was fine, whatever. I mean, and especially given the circumstances, yeah, kudos to him. I mean, Etsy's not expecting to play. I mean, you know, so he'll be the backup. Maybe they, they do. Uh, I think obviously James, we talked about it. I think before the show, he mentioned uh, John Mulshan, um as a possibility. Maybe you know, maybe it's an extra offensive lineman that they bring in there, just in case something happens. You never know, but it, it's definitely a good sign that Marpet was back practicing this week because uh, Grady Jarrett is a really good football player, and they're going to need to contain him. The Falcons don't have much else as far as their pass rush goes, but Jarrett is a beast. So Yeah. So uh, some more injury updates for Tampa Bay. This one in the secondary, which has probably been the position group that's just been hurting the most. I mean, literally this season, it has been nothing but injuries back there, but uh, – Carlton Davis, the number one cornerback for Tampa Bay. His window to return to practice is open, but he hasn't officially been activated, so it's not like he's taking up a roster spot right now. But uh, when people talk to Bruce Arians, he says that there is a good chance he plays versus Atlanta. Now, as far as what that means for Carlton Davis, that's pretty big because alongside him, cornerback Jamel Dean avoided missing some serious time as it seems like he's really only dealing with a bruised shoulder he went down against the Colts and was ruled out for the rest of the game. Did not return. Anxious to hear an update on that. And uh, it seems like he's going to be good to go. So if Jamel Dean and Carlton Davis is officially activated this week, this could be the first time since week one that we have seen Carlton Davis, Sean Murphy Bunting, and Jamel Dean on the field together. So obviously it's a pretty big week for this Buccaneers secondary contingent, mostly on uh, what's going to end up happening with Carlton Davis, but a positive update nonetheless. Yeah, real real quick uh, before we get James's take on this. Um, it's actually really interesting. So last week um, was the first, believe it or not, okay, last week was the first time, this is per Greg Allman, it says, when Bucks started Jamel Dean and Sean Murphy Bunting at corner Sunday versus the Colts, it marked the first time all season they started the same combination in consecutive weeks. First 10 games was 10 different starting combinations at corner slash nickel. Here it is week by week. The first week it was Davis and Sean Murphy, Sean Murphy Bunting. Obviously Murphy Bunting went out. Second week, Davis slash Dean. Uh, Davis, Dean Cockrell. Uh, Davis, Sherman Cockrell. Dean Sherman. Dean Sherman Cockrell. Dean Delaney Cockrell. Dean Desir, Dean Delaney Edwards, Dean SMB, Dean SMB. So um, wild, man. Yeah, definitely, definitely crazy. This is the. uh, I mean, I mean, we are we're in the we're late in the season, and uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, TV told Goatman says, "Sorry guys, don't think we get Dean this week. He he was full participation today in practice, so I, that's a pretty good sign. He's he's good to go." Um, so, I mean, unless something happens and, you know, we don't know, but he was, he was a full participant today in practice. And Bruce Arians said during the beginning of the week that Carlton Davis, hopefully is ready to go, uh, in Atlanta. So. Yeah. Um, there you go, you, James. I was waiting for you. <laughs> oh, 
uh it's tough for me to get cues sometimes oh, no, uh, good. yeah no finally right jesus we've been waiting long enough for this now all we need is coach sherman on the headset everything yeah. will be perfect in the world you know but like real no this is real quick how about coach sherman this week man there was some video came out at buccaneers practice and I'll tell you, this is where a signing for, you know, a guy like Richard Sherman, while a lot of people might not have been too happy about what he was able to bring to the field, which in the grand scheme of things was not very much. But the fact that, you know, this signing pays off in more ways than one. He's doing a lot of coaching out there at practice and, uh, you know, helping some of these younger guys with their P's and Q's. And that's awesome to see from a guy like Sherman. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that you know, Sherman's just, a, I really hope he reconsiders coaching in the NFL and he just kind of pulls an AQ Shipley and just kind of transitions there you go. to a coach for the Bucks. But um, yeah, this is great news. I love Carlton Davis. He's still my hashtag number one corner. That's, that's awesome. Jamel Dean, you know, uh, he, he had a rough start to this year, but I think he's doing a lot better than people have been giving him credit for, which has been good. Um, and then, you know, SMB, of course, you know, he, he's been struggling, you know, a little bit but you know that first mm. game that first game he came back from injury was great you know and then he, since he, got, then, he was you know, fine he was fine on sunday yeah no given i'm saying given the circumstances it's 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 good it's all good you know i think this is nothing but positive news um given just how this freaking year's been man you know with these cornerback injuries like like Evan was saying, you know, a different combination every single week, even throwing Mike Edwards in there at slot corner, which has, you know, honestly been pretty good in certain situations. Yeah. Um, you know, so it, it's great news. This is this is excellent to hear, you know. Yeah. So uh, taking a look at the rest of the injury news for Tampa Bay, that's actually it. I mean, there are some other guys who popped up. I think Mike Edwards missed a little bit of time at practice or he was limited. Devin White also kind of nursing an injury, something that he initially left the Colts game for. So couple of other guys to kind of monitor throughout the course of the week but as far as you know people who were going to play in this Sunday's game it seems like everything is uh you know right on track as it should be aside from the guys that we mentioned making their return this week so again just a uh, another thing to mention as far as Buccaneer news goes and something interesting to monitor throughout the course of the week we do our game preview show later on this week we'll probably have an update on some of those injuries for you guys so stay tuned we'll keep you up to date with all the latest so, as I mentioned 40 whole minutes ago, believe it or not, this is the weekly mailbag edition of the show. So, I, I figured we should finally get to some emails, right? I mean, we got we got a few good questions here I think we could get to. First one comes from our good friend Emily Kampa, and the subject line is, When Hope Replaces Doubt. And uh, I really like this one to kick things off because it's it's not so much of like a question more than it is a take. And I think it's a take on just... Bucks fans mentality, I think is a good way to put it. Um, basically, just a take on the on the state of fans today for Tampa Bay, whether they are Brady sexuals who have converted over to Tampa Bay or they are, you know, people following the Bucks for other reasons. I think this one's pretty good. So Emily says, I don't know if everyone will get this one, but as a Bucks fan in this household, we used to glance over at each other when they were down double digits to any opposing team because we pretty much knew the game was over. But now there's this aura that we will overcome any lead that is put upon us. Bottom line is we are completing a very difficult puzzle that has taken time to put together. We have found certain pieces that we were missing before. The puzzle has not yet been completed, but the image is now visible. At 8-3, and three, we are looking pretty good, but need to continue fitting on those final pieces. Thank you, Emily. So thanks again for your email, Emily. Always good to hear from you on the mailbag show. But 
I think this, you know, mostly has to do with just where this Bucks team has obviously come from. You know, you look at this team back when they were eight and five, and uh, what twenty sixteen? That was the year they went nine and seven, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Twenty, yeah, twenty sixteen. They went nine and seven. Like they were an eight and five football team, but that eight and five football team is a hell of a lot different than, God forbid hypothetical here if the bucks lose their next two games and all of a sudden they're eight and five it's a hell of a lot different to have you know an eight and five football team with tom brady at the helm coming off of the super bowl championship than it is with dirt cutter being your head coach and Jameis winston as your quarterback there's just certain things that this team has gotten better at and uh, overcoming losses and deficits like the one that they found themselves against the colts i think is a major trait of this team and this just speaks to how you know they're never really out of any game I, I think we found that out in 2020 when they were behind huge to uh justin herbert the rookie i think that was his first start too he was tearing us up man but they this were is his second start yeah they were behind 24 to 7 and then yeah. and then they were down to atlanta mm-hmm. in atlanta 17 to nothing which is the exact opponent and the exact location of this week's game so yeah um and that was the game the atlanta game is when you can point to really the change in the offense i think um, you can point to, you know, the halftime of yeah, the Atlanta halftime. game. Halftime. We, we talked to uh, to Bradley Pinion about this, man. Like yeah. that was that was almost the turning point for that entire season because it seemed like they were just pissed off and tired of getting beat after that moment. Yeah, um, and then yeah, it really seemed to be to turn around. So um, yeah, I, I think it's because of the veterans on this team. I mean, you've got guys, you got two guys right there that were a part of the biggest most epic comeback in NFL history. Um, so they, they know how to get the job done. They know that when you're down 13 in, you know, in the, at, at halftime, they know the game, it needs to be better, but they know the game's not over, right? Like they, they know what needs to be done in order to win the football game and what that's doing to these younger guys. And even the veterans that were on this team, but hadn't experienced it like Levante David, um, you know, like a Ali Marpet, like a Mike Evans, those guys that, it's like you said, when you were down 13, the game was probably pretty much over. I mean, occasionally, you know, you would, you know, Jameis would make some wild plays and you'd be able to come back. Oh man. Um, those but were most the of the time too, when they came back and they couldn't finish either, that was, that was another but, difference, you know, but, but most of the time, you know, it'd be, it'd be done. And, and this, you know, with this regime and the coaching staff, the experience on the coaching staff, the experience of Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski, Antonio Brown, even guys like Jason Bear Paul. I mean, these guys, the Dominican suit, like they know the NFL inside and out. They know that just because you're down doesn't mean you're done. Right. And there's a big difference between being down and being done. And um, yeah, I, I think that's why, you know, you just have so much experience and so much veteran leadership now that, uh, you know, they, they truly believe that no lead is, I mean, no deficit is going to keep them down. Yeah, for sure. James, your thoughts on uh, just the evolution of this Bucks team over the years. And, you know, like Emily said in her email, we just kind of take a look at the big picture of how far they've come from what they were before when it was, you know, Tampa Bay branded losing football. Yeah, I mean, obviously the change started last year. You know, like you guys were saying, you know, that they're obviously the defending Super Bowl champions now. Um, so this was something we were talking about last year, too. You know, and it all changes with, you know, the the captains, the leadership. You know, it, when your quarterback at the helm is a guy who 
you know, is proven that he can come back in games and proven that like, Hey, even with double digit deficits, you know, you still have a chance to win this football game. Um, it changes the entire mentality of a team. Heck, even, even players on the bucks, you know, have admitted that, mm-hmm. you know, where that change has kind of come up. So, you know, yeah, it, it all, it all kind of matters about proving it, you know, Tom Brady, he's, proved it for many many years so just getting a guy like that on your team that's already a boost you know but like what evan was saying there's other guys on this team you know that have championship pedigree that have been to super bowls won super bowls um that know what it's like as well um so getting and i and i feel like that was definitely part of what the bucks were trying to do you know they brought guys in who raised the expectations because that's what you need to do you know um, you know, obviously, you know, a couple of years ago when you were running a team that hadn't won anything in the longest time, uh, your expectations are going to be low and, and it's going to be really hard to not be pessimistic in those situations. But, um, you know, once you get people in who have proven otherwise, you know, your expectations raise up and, and that's what I think it's all about. And as we kind of wrap up this little retrospective here, I'll give my two cents. I, I think, you know, the change that you guys have, have talked about, the change started uh, when they signed Brady, the change started halftime in Atlanta. Sure, we can look at those points as changes for this team, but I think the change started when the Glazers signed Bruce Arians and he was able to come in in 2019. I think the change started the day that they hired him in 2019. I think 2020 they finally got the tools that they needed to finish making that change happen. And we actually saw it happen on the field, right? Because stuff like that with any football team, it takes a long time. Like you can have a good game one week and a terrible game the next, but you're not all of a sudden just going to become a Super Bowl contender overnight, right? It takes a little bit of time. But as far as this change in culture goes, I think it started when they brought Bruce Arians in. I think they pretty much put a bow on top when they signed Tom Brady And then once they figured everything out, halftime in Atlanta 2020, it leads you to eight straight wins, the longest winning streak in franchise history, and a Super Bowl title. So really good, uh, really good take from Emily, as always. And it's always good to, you know, just just take a step back and and look at how far we've come. Because for the people who have watched Bucks football for a number of years, know that it hasn't always been peaches and cream. But, uh, you know, we're out here weathering the storm, eight and three in 2021. I, I... I'm cool. I'm happy. Still in, uh, still chasing the one seed in the NFC. It's December football. It's starting to count for real. Like I'm very happy with where we are, but every now and again, it definitely is important to just take a step back and look at how far you've come. Let's get to our last few questions here for the mailbag show. This next one comes from Tony Saylor, AKA Tony Baloney. I don't know if he's in the live chat tonight. I wish he was, but this is a pretty good question. And I'm going to toss this one to you, Evan. Uh, Tony asks, why can't the Bucks ever seem to scheme open Mike Evans or Chris Godwin? You look at teams like Green Bay or anyone who has a one featured wide receiver, and it seems like that guy is always open. Is it play design or is it player execution? And in Tony's words, because of course Tony Baloney would ask it like this, uh, is it play design or are Mike Evans and Chris Godwin overrated? Evan, I'll, I'll give it to you. Well, it's a little bit of both, you know, as far as execution goes, not the overrated part. Um, <laughs> but it is, you know, it is a little bit of both uh, play design and execution. It's, you know, you, you can't blame coaches 100% of the time. You also can't blame players 100% of the time, you know. Um, 
there, there's a, there's a few, I think football is one of the, the sports where coaching like seriously matters baseball managers. What do they actually do? Like they do stuff like managers do a lot of stuff behind the scenes, like in baseball, basketball. Now, when you like, use a, when you use the title manager too, especially when you look at how they're used in baseball, it's like a very practical sense. Like when you think yeah. of a manager at a grocery store, what do they actually do? You know, make sure everybody's <laughs> just doing their job. Like Exactly. Um, yeah. So basketball, like make your shots. Like if somebody gets hot on a certain night, there's nothing a good coach is going to do. Like, you know, uh, hockey, hockey is the game of bounces. So football is the one where like coaching is, can make a huge difference. And if you have elite coaching, you're never going to be out of games. You're always going to be competitive no matter what team you have. Um, you know, I mean, some of those Patriots teams, like they were not good. Like I don't even think this Patriots team is that great. Yeah, but look but at they're them still this winning year. Winning, games. Exactly, they've won what seven in a row now. Yeah, because I mean they have great coaching, they have a great system, and and it matters. So yes and no. It you know it does have a little bit to do with scheming the guys open. Uh, but nobody's yet. Also, like the players have to execute. Mike Evans has to get open. Chris Cowan has to get open. I will say that it's certain offenses, right? Bruce Arians offense is more, it's a little bit new school, but it's also more older school. It's not as new school with the RPOs and all this other stuff. Not a lot uh, of the big you know, plays and stuff. Yeah. It's, it's not a lot of that. It's more old school in that sense. It's new school. Obviously because like, you're pushing the ball down the field, um, but it's old school in a sense that like, they're not going to be doing all this fancy stuff to get the ball into Mike Evans's hands uh, because, you know, their goal isn't to, isn't to have, Mike Evans have 11 catches at the end of the game. That's not how their offense is going to run. That's not how any Brady offense is going to run. So I think it's a little bit of both. Um, like I said, it's not a huge deal. Like I just, I don't know. I, I, I guess like people think just because like you don't get 10, 11 catches and a touchdown a game, that you're just not a good wide receiver. Um, you know, I don't know. Well, and, and let's look at, you know, really quickly what a guy like Mike Evans is good at. Mike Evans is good at catching the football. Of course he is. He's a pretty good route runner, but like when you compare him to other receivers in the top five in the NFL, people are going to look at them differently. But what is Mike Evans good at? Scoring touchdowns, man. And if I'm not mistaken, he is uh, number one in the NFL for receiving touchdowns, if not top three at this very I, I, moment. I think he's. I think he might be tied. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it's not like the production isn't there. There was one point in this season where we were looking at the three wide receivers who all had over 400 yards throughout the first quarter of the season, realistically saying that these guys could all have a thousand yards. And obviously when you have the talent that you do spread out on this offense, the way that it does production like that is insane. But, you know, I feel like you say something like that in the same vein of, you know, Devontae Adams in Green Bay getting 2,000 yards this year. Like, obviously, that's not something that's going to happen when you have all of these weapons on your offense. At least you hope that's not something that would happen because if Mike Evans or Chris Godwin had 2,000 yards, I think the Bucks would have a terrible record by this point. But, you know, it, it's just one of those things where I do think people almost overreact to this in a sense because let's face it, the Bucks are winning games. They're 8-3. and three. Like, you know, like it's it's not going to be perfect. And I think maybe a lot of the people who were expecting Tom Brady to throw for 55 touchdowns and 5,000 yards this year might be a little let down by it. But I think a lot of people who were realistic about how this offense runs 
and then also watches the games and sees how situational football can be every single week. Like it's just, it wasn't very realistic that a guy like Tom Brady, not because it's a guy like Tom Brady, it's not very realistic for any quarterback in the league to consistently just throw three, four, five touchdowns every single week, three, four, 500 yards every single week. And literally on the receiving end of that, his receivers putting up ridiculous numbers. So in a sense, as long as the Bucs are winning games, I kind of don't care how uh, open Mike Evans gets. And I don't even think Mike Evans cares how open Mike Evans gets as long as the Bucs are winning games. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that's my take on this one. James, we'll toss oh, it yeah, to you. It doesn't, we... it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't matter. We've had a right, bunch of games right. <laughs> where Mike Evans went off, but they lost, and you just never remembered it. So, right. Um, but James, your thoughts on this as we start to wrap things up? Yeah, just you know, it's what happens in these offenses, you know that that are run. You know, you have you have this many weapons, the ball is going to get spread around. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, in teams, defenses game plan around stopping Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. You know, and that forces tom brady to go to other weapons like leonard fournette rob like rob gronkowski cam bray um some of these other guys you know the washington football team did it um and the indianapolis colts did it you know because those guys are the top two weapons healthy weapons currently in this buccaneers offense um and that's you know you you game plan to stop that if you're an opposing defensive coordinator um which creates opportunities elsewhere uh you know there's a reason you know Bruce Arians comes out here and says like, man, it's not even fair that Antonio Brown's going up against these third cornerbacks because defense are still, you know, they're trying to pick their, they have to pick their poison here and you can't stop at all. So right. And more times than not, you know, they're going to try to opt to stop Mike Evans and Chris Godwin because, you know, at the end of the day, when those guys do get the opportunities, you know, whenever they're not getting game planned against, we've seen them do really, really good things. So, I don't know if it's necessarily it's it's tough to scheme guys open you know it's tough for guys to get open whenever defenses are really really dialing in on you know on those players you know so that's what i think it comes down to well also a lot of it uh real quick james sorry to cut you off but um you know a lot of teams are playing uh, a lot of man against the Bucks because they know that Brady picks apart zone. Like yeah. you're just like Brady mm-hmm. just will pick apart zone. Like he'll he's gonna be able to see it. Uh, he's gonna be able to see it pre-snap, and he's gonna know exactly where to put the ball. And he's gonna know what zones you're in. Like he's just he's gonna know. So just defenses aren't doing it as much this year. Yeah. And that definitely hinders it. You know, can always scheme guys open so much when they're getting played man to man, you know, and the corners are, are pressing on them. You can only scheme them open so much. So a lot of it depends on the coverages that the Bucks have gotten. Recently, the Bucks have been getting a lot of coverages that take away the deep ball and are only leaving underneath stuff available. And it's been a lot of man-to-man. So they've had to adjust to that uh, for, for sure. Um, but, and I uh, think, you know, when you also look at the strengths of this receivers and what these guys do well, given the circumstances, when teams are game planning against Tampa Bay like that and they're forced to try and, you know, make some passing game work underneath, Mike Evans isn't the best at that. I mean, Chris Godwin's good, but he's not the best at that. You know who on this team in the wide receiver room was probably the best at that was the guy that we just spent 20 minutes talking about, Antonio Brown. So that's just where different strengths and weaknesses in the offense come and go. And uh, like you had alluded to, James, you know, when guys like Mike Evans aren't getting double teamed, they're able to make plays. Even if it's one snap, your guy on defense makes a mistake, 
Look at the Washington game. Mike Evans is going to make you pay down the sideline because he had that opportunity. Brady saw it was there, and they made it happen. It's as simple as that. So when a guy like Mike Evans doesn't put up 100 yards and you know he's kind of quiet for the day, the first thing people go do is look at the tape, and then they look and see if he was double teamed the entire afternoon because that's usually what happens in a situation like that. But uh, just want to say really quickly – Thank you guys for the great discussion today. All of the uh, great questions this week on the mailbag. I think this was one of the better mailbags we've had in the last few weeks. I think it also helps that we had so much to talk about like we did today. Uh, But hopefully we covered everything we needed to. Brought you guys some injury news, all the latest out of one buck in your place. Of course, we'll have more updates on that later on in the week in the game preview show. And uh, even had time to answer a few questions. So, ladies and gentlemen, with that being said, I think that's just about going to wrap things up for this week's episode of the Cannon Fire podcast brought to you by our good friends over at betonline.ag. Huge shout out to everybody hanging out with us live here on YouTube. Our buddy Frank G, Brady is Mahomes, Daddy, Ty, Will, Globe, Mr. Scorpio, TB12, Goatman, and of course, Willie Beeman, the moderator holding it down, Tony Baloney. I think Emily Compo was hanging out with us for a little while as well. Appreciate you guys. Anybody else that I may have missed, you are truly appreciated. Subscribe to the channel if you have not already. Plenty of great Buccaneers content throughout the course of the season and beyond right here on youtube.com forward slash Cannon Fire Podcast. Follow the show on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those are Cannon Fire Podcast. Best place to go for updates on the show. And of course, Buccaneer news as it happens. Before I forget, James, thank you so much for coming on the show again, my man. For the people who do not already know, uh, where can they get a look at your content? Yeah, thanks for having me on again, guys. Greatly appreciated. Um, yeah, I'm just here on YouTube, Mr. Bucks Nation. Um, still making videos. You know, I actually just started a new series today. Uh, very excited for that. And uh, I'll have a couple more videos coming out before the um, Week 13 matchup versus the Atlanta Falcons. So stay tuned for all of that. And, uh, yeah, thanks. Heck yeah, man. Also, follow my co-host Evan on Instagram and Twitter at or i'm sorry you can find him on instagram at bucks underscore daily the number one buccaneers fan page on instagram you can also find him on twitter at evan nfl last but not least you can find myself instagram and twitter at reticus r-h-e-t-t-a-k-u-s if you follow me i will follow you back but uh that's it folks Thank you once again for checking out this week's episode of the Cannon Fire Podcast, brought to you by our good friends over at betonline.ag. We will talk to you guys later on this week for the game preview show. It is another divisional matchup for Tampa Bay, as this time they travel to Atlanta to attempt the sweep against the Falcons, a team who have not beaten them while Tom Brady has been here. So uh, so how about that? Maybe they can keep that rolling and make that record 4-0. and during the TV 12 era in Tampa Bay. We'll get you all of uh, the information on that game and, of course, some injury updates later on this week. I'm your host, Rhett Matthews, signing off from my co-host, Evan Wanish, and our special third member of the show. Can't forget about a Mr. James Hill, a.k.a. Mr. Bucks Nation. Glad to have you here, buddy. Thank you guys for listening this week. We'll catch you later on. Until then, and as always, go Bucks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.